So this morning, as Eddie mentioned, we're celebrating 30 years as a church, and as I was considering what to share in commemoration, I was drawn to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And so let me begin just by reading that passage, and then we'll get into what it has to do with us today. If this will work, there we go. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let me pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand what this means this morning to us individually and collectively. Help us to apply this to our hearts and to our lives. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews is the one book in the New Testament, we're not sure who wrote it, but it was written to a group of Jewish Christians in Rome, encouraging them to be faithful to God during suffering and persecution. And this passage begins with a therefore. When you read a therefore, you have to ask what it's there for. Hebrews 12, of course, follows up on Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is known as the Hall of Faith. It's this long list of the saints who have come before, the Old Testament saints who, by their faith, uh, saw God do incredible things. And so in Hebrews 11, you have this long list, and then he follows up Hebrews 11 with this stirring exhortation and this encouragement. Uh, Go back to the beginning of Hebrews 11. This is how he defines what faith is. It says, Now, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was, made out of, was not made out of what was visible. You see the words he uses to describe faith in that first verse? Sure, certain. You think about how that contrasts with maybe how the world sees faith as faith is kind of a blind leap maybe, or, or believing in something that you have no proof for, or believing in things contrary to the evidence, depending on how some people would define it. But here he says that faith is sure. Faith is certain. And he gives the example of creation, how God brings something tangible out of something unseen, and how that is what faith is all about. Faith is about trusting that God will bring something to pass even when you don't see it, having a sure hope. I define faith based on Hebrews 11 and 12 in this way. I think this is a good definition of faith. Faith is a confidence in the character and promises of God that results in obedience to him and to his word. It's not just believing in something you can't see. Faith is a confidence in the character and promises of God that results in obedience to him and to his word. And so with this in mind, I want to just talk about four things we see there in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, about what it means to walk by faith, what it means to be faithful. The first is this, he says, draw strength from the great cloud of witnesses. It's a great image. You know, he's talked about Hebrews 11, and all these people have come before, and now he's talking about running the race, and it's this picture almost of like running in a stadium or running in this race with this great cloud of witnesses that are cheering you on, who've gone before you. Again, look back at Hebrews 12 where he says, we're surrounded by this great 
cloud of witnesses. In Hebrews 11, he talks about Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. And then he goes on and says, I don't have time to talk about all these other people. Think about the great cloud of witnesses who have gone before us. Not just biblically, but think about, again, 30 years of this church, those who've come before us. Peter and Sheila and Kevin and Terry, Ron and Eva, Eddie and Jan, four families who were instrumental in starting this church. Those who served and were a part of this fellowship who are no longer with us. Individuals like Eve Christie, Shirley Prey, Brian Fearon, Phil Vaglica. The missionaries that this church supports. Those who have left our church but are still serving in whatever context God has called them to. Think about the cloud of witnesses in your life personally. Maybe those who went before you, whether it's family members or friends or pastors, those who you look back on and see that, that those men and women are why you're here today. That they're responsible for your faith and they're encouraging you, cheering you on. Again, remember, Hebrews is written to those who are undergoing difficult times and suffering and persecution and need encouragement for perseverance along the way. And here in Hebrews 12, he says, first and foremost, draw strength from that great cloud of witnesses. All those who have gone before you and walked that road of faith, who have testimonies to share of God's goodness and God's faithfulness. I hope that you'll be able to stay and enjoy lunch, and I hope you will maybe sit with someone you don't know and hear some testimonies of faith, hear some testimonies of God's faithfulness and what he's done. So he begins in Hebrews 12 by saying, in this life of faith, draw strength from those who've gone before, draw strength from the great cloud of witnesses. And then he says, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Again, if you think of life the metaphor of running a race, and you think of what it's like trying to run a race with all kinds of things weighing you down, the metaphor fits. He says, if you're going to follow God faithfully, there's going to be things in your life that you need to get rid of, things that are hindering you and weighing you down that you're going to have to repent of, throw off, run away from, get rid of. Because in this race, you don't want things weighing you down. Let us Throw off, he says, everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Can I ask you to please just take a minute and to reflect on this in your life? That if God has called you to himself to follow him faithfully in the race that he's marked out for you, what is it that's holding you back? What is it that is weighing you down? What is it that comes to your mind when you hear this encouragement? To throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles. And may you have the courage this morning, if there is sin, to repent of it. If there are relationships that are holding you back, to be able to distance yourself from those. If there are habits that you need to drop, to be able to do that. What is it that's holding you back this morning? from being faithful to Jesus and running the race. And so he says, okay, again, in this race, in this life, if you're going to be faithful, first and foremost, draw strength from the great cloud of witnesses who've gone before you. Throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles. And then he says, run with perseverance the race marked out for you. 
the race marked out for you. You know, I've been a pastor long enough to have seen many uh, church growth strategies come and go. Every time a church grows from, you know, we were one family in a living room and now we're a church of 3,000, they put out a book encouraging everyone to kind of follow their model of how to do it. And sometimes, you know, earlier on, I'd be like, oh, we got to do this as a church. We got to do this because it worked for other people until you get a little older and you realize that God's not calling you to be someone else. He's not calling you to be a different church. He's calling you to be faithful to the race that he's marked out for you, New Life Christian Fellowship, or for you individually. He hasn't asked you to run someone else's race. He hasn't asked you to copy someone else. He's asked you to be faithful to him in the race that he has marked out for you. If you go back to Hebrews chapter 11, again, there's this long list of the saints of the faith and what happened when they followed God. He talks about Abraham, how Abraham experienced God sparing his son Isaac's life. Moses, how he left Egypt and experienced the parting of the Red Sea. He goes on to talk about some who conquered kingdoms, shut the mouths of lions, escaped death, received people back from the dead. And then in verse 35, there's this turn. It says this in verse 35. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. And these were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Did you expect that? You've got this long list of all the saints who have come before. And for the first 34 verses, it's story after story of how God did miracles and God Help them experience worldly success, you might say, and prosperity. And then he says there's others who are faithful, just as faithful to God. And they experienced persecution, suffering, even death. Were they less faithful than the first ones? He's very clear. No, they were not less faithful. They were just as faithful, but God had a different road for them in their faithfulness. This is why I say, run with perseverance the race that is marked out for you, not for someone else. The race that is marked out for you because your race, your life, the faithful path that he calls you to is not going to be the same as the person sitting to your left or to your right behind you. After Jesus rose from the dead, he met with Peter and he reinstated Peter because Peter had betrayed Jesus denied knowing him. And so Jesus came to him and reinstated him. And then we have this great little exchange. Jesus says to Peter, I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? 
And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. You see what's going on there in that exchange? So Jesus has just met with Peter and basically told him, like, what's to come in his life? Peter, when you get older, things are going to be difficult. Someone's going to have to take care of you. You're going to be persecuted. He's telling Peter what is going to come in his life. And Peter, like, wow. And then he turns and he sees John over there. And he says, what about John? Tell me what's going to happen in his life. Jesus says, listen, if I want him to stay alive until I return, what's that to you? You know, mind your own walk, basically. You follow me. Don't worry about him. Again, Hebrews 12, the encouragement is run with perseverance the race that is marked out for you. And I know this is not easy. It's so many times we look around and we say, why can't I have his life? Why did his life go this way? Why did her life go this way? Here I am trying to be faithful to you, God. Here I am trying to pray. Here I am, and my life just doesn't seem to be going the way that this person's life goes. And here's Jesus saying, what is that to you? You follow me. Run with perseverance the race that is marked out for you. I'll worry about them, but between you and me, you run with perseverance the race that is marked out for you. See this all the time, right? I mean, you look at the Bible, you see it. Peter gets thrown in jail. The believers pray for his release. An earthquake happens. The doors fling open. Peter walks out of the jail. John the Baptist, thrown in prison. The believers pray, and his head is chopped off. Some Christians today follow Jesus, and they experience worldly blessing, you might say, prosperity. Some Christians follow Jesus and are tortured, persecuted, even killed for their faith. You open it up for testimony time, and one person comes up and shares about how they had cancer and God healed it. While five other people are sitting in their seats wondering why God didn't heal their cancer or their wife's cancer or their mother's cancer. A couple gets up and testifies to how God healed their relationship while others sit in there wondering why their prayers went unanswered, why their husband hasn't come to faith, why they ended up in divorce. Run with perseverance the race that is marked out for you. In Hebrews chapter 11, you have all these people who by faith experience God's miraculous intervention and all these people who by faith experience suffering and persecution. And he doesn't say this group got it wrong. This group was less faithful. They were both faithful. Run with perseverance the race that is marked out for you without comparing your race to someone else's. So, again, the life of faithfulness in Hebrews 12 draws strength from the great cloud of witnesses, from those who have gone before you, biblically, in this church, in your life. Throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles. If you're going to be faithful, you're going to have to repent of sin. You're going to have to get rid of stuff in your life and habits and relationships that are holding you back from faithfulness. And then run with perseverance the race marked out for you, not for someone else, but for you. And then last is this, fix your eyes on Jesus. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
this is such a great metaphor, again, of, of running this race, cheered on by the throngs of those who've gone before you, and fixing your eyes on Jesus. No matter what it is you're going through, no matter what opposition, persecution, fixing your eyes on him, looking to him. Because this life is hard. Amen? This life is hard. It is not easy. The race is not easy. It says at the end there, you're going to grow weary. You're going to be tempted to lose heart. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the one who loves you, who suffered for you, who died for you. In this passage, he references the joy set before him, that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. And I love that phrase because it, it begs the question, what was the joy that was set before Jesus that allowed him to endure the cross? And it wasn't heaven. I mean, he'd been in heaven for all eternity with the Father, with the Spirit. The joy, I believe, that was set before him was you. It's the one thing he didn't have in heaven was you. The joy that was set before him was having you restored to a right relationship with God. That was what allowed him to endure the cross, to go through all the suffering and punishment that he went through. The joy set before him was having you restored to God, having you with him. That is what allowed him to endure what he endured was his love for you. Fix your eyes on him. What's going to get you through this life when it's that difficult, when you're tempted to lose heart along the way? Fix your eyes on the one who loves you so much that he died for you, that he endured all that for you, out of love for you. He's worth fixing your eyes on. Again, let me just share the, the uh, definition I gave at the beginning to remind you again. Faith is a confidence in the character and promises of God that results, to obedience, results in obedience to him and to his word. All throughout Hebrews 11, there's a big emphasis on not just this world, but life beyond this world. Because again, think about it. If, if some of you ex- are faithful to God and experience worldly, what you might say, success or prosperity or miracles and healing, and some of you are faithful and experienced what feels like the opposite, if that's all there is is this world, then what? But this world is not all there is. Just because in this life you might experience success, prosperity, does not mean that's the final word. And if you've experienced suffering, that's not the final word. All these passages from Hebrews 11, let me just read some of them from verse 10. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Verses 13 to 15. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Verse 26, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. And verse 35, others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. You know, we don't, we don't know how it all shakes out in the end when we're with God. When he talks about treasures in heaven, when he talks about reward, we don't know until we're there what that means. But I want to encourage you, if you feel like you're on this side of the ledger, right, that you've been faithful and you feel like 
the rewards have not been earthly rewards, take heart as you read Hebrews 11. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, who didn't just die and rise again, but he is now at the right hand of the Father. He has gone there to prepare a place for you. The streets are made of gold, it says. The point of that, I think, is it's saying, like, even what you walk on is more valuable than anything in this world. That's how much wealth, treasure is ahead of you. So again, if you find yourself feeling like, I've been faithful, I don't understand why I prayed and prayed and prayed and my mom still died. I don't understand why I pray and pray and pray and my marriage still struggles so much. I don't understand why I've tried to be faithful and still I have no children. Or my job, they let me go. I don't understand, God. Take heart. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Run with perseverance the race marked out for you. There are many who have gone before you, who have been faithful, and did not experience what feels like worldly success, including Jesus, who was perfectly faithful to the Father and was murdered for it. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Run with perseverance the race marked out for you. Hebrews chapter 12. Again, let me encourage you as we look back at 30 years as a church, as you look back at where you are in your life and how you've gotten here personally, this stirring call to faithfulness in Hebrews chapter 12. Draw strength from the great cloud of witnesses. Draw strength from those in the Bible, those in this church, those in your life who've gone before you who are encouraging and cheering you on. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Anything that is keeping you from faithfulness, let go of it this morning. Repent of it. Put it aside so you can continue to run with perseverance. And run with perseverance the race marked out for you. You're not going to be called to run the same race as your brother, your sister, your neighbor. And it can be so easy to get envious, so easy to compare yourself, so easy to wonder why it's harder for you. Run with perseverance the race that God has marked out for you. And fix your eyes on Jesus, who loves you so much that he went to the cross to die for you, who is at the right hand of the Father and has prepared a place for you. Amen. Let me pray. Lord, I do pray for my brothers and sisters here that you would help them to fix their eyes on you so they would not grow weary and lose heart along the way, so that they would trust and be able to run with perseverance the race that you have marked out for them. We thank you, Lord. Help us as a church as well, collectively, to keep our eyes fixed on you, Jesus and to run with perseverance the race you've marked out for us as a church. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.